to the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Check, Program Evaluation Coordinator at Water Mission and one of the hosts of this podcast. Today, I talk with Laura Shannonhouse, Assistant Professor of Counseling and Psychological Services at Georgia State. Laura is also a contributing fellow with the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College. My conversation with Laura was so rich, I will be releasing it in two parts, as it was impossible to decide which content should be cut. Uh, So on today's podcast, part one, we discuss the psychology of religion and spirituality, Laura's work in disaster research, and the value of spiritual first aid. In part two of our conversation to follow, we'll discuss spiritual metrics more generally and some resources available for practitioners interested in measuring spirituality. Laura, thanks for being with me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So to start, I mean, I guess to give a little preface here. So you and I met um, last month at the Spiritual Metrics and Research Intensive at the One Accord Forum um, in Ridgecrest, North Carolina. And there you you shared with us, shared with our group a couple different resources on measuring spirituality, um, the topic of spiritual first aid and um, spiritual coping, religious and spiritual coping. So I really wanted to get you on the podcast to kind of flesh some of these topics out a little bit more today. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from you today. Um, But I guess to, to just start us off, could you please tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe how you came to be involved in the psychology of religion and spirituality and disaster research? Sure, sure. Um, I'm an assistant professor at Georgia State University. I work in a department called Counseling and Psychological Services where we train uh, counselors and psychologists, uh, so as they're kind of developing um, into helpers. Uh, and so I do uh, research on crisis and disaster, so that's my area of uh, interest and specialty. And my research interest, um, you know, grew out of um, my work at a crisis center and being deployed um, to a series of disaster-impacted communities. Um, and then I got really lucky when I came to Georgia State um, I had a colleague, uh, Donnie Davis, who introduced me to Jamie Aiton, uh, who started uh, the Humanitarian Disaster Institute. So I got involved with the HDI and uh, got involved with a series of studies and got deeper into this area. Okay, that's great. So you mentioned the HDI and Jamie Aiton. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton? Sure. Um, HDI is the first social science research center in the country devoted to the study of faith and disaster. I think it's about six years old, founded by J.B. Eaton, um, and it's based out of Wheaton, as you, as you mentioned, um, and, this, and it studies, or the folks involved study how communities respond after disaster, um, especially related to how survivors make meaning from suffering through their faith. So the mission um, of the Institute is to help equip churches to care for a disaster-filled world. Um, Research is conducted to create resources for survivors, um, those that assist and help and support survivors um, through the disaster, and then for researchers to kind of uh, advance knowledge in this area. So there's multiple faculty fellows uh, working on different disasters uh, at different universities that are affiliated with the Institute. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, the Accord Forum was the first time I had heard about the HDI and the work that y'all are doing there. And it's just so timely and relevant and necessary. And I really like the aspect of not just being sort of an, ins an insular um, research consortium, but this focus on equipping others to do this work too. That's really great. Yeah, that's a core part of this. So thanks for like catching that, um, <laughs> um, that, that piece. Yeah. Well, well, you know, certainly the, the we can't we can't do it alone. So the more the more people we can enable, the better. That's great. Um, wonderful. So I wanted to ask you specifically a little bit about the psychology of religion and spirituality. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that discipline is? Sure. Um, and I, I'm new to this, so um, I've been working on these uh, studies for a little over a year now, so I, I don't want to claim to be the expert uh, specifically on, on this body of literature, um, but I do um, feel like I, I have some things to share for sure. Researchers um, have, have found that religious and spiritual coping play a critical role in the recovery process after a disaster, um, so it, it feels like a pretty important area to study if we're as counselors and psychologists and as helping professionals and as, you know, um, faith-based organizations active in disaster to know about religion and spiritual coping. Um, those impacted by disasters actually often prefer to receive support from someone that acknowledges the importance of their faith and they tend to seek help uh, from informal support networks such as friends and religious and spiritual leaders. Um, so it's important, um, you know, that we are equipping these communities to be who they need to be for others. So these kind of organic community resources have the capacity to offer social support needed in the short term as well as in the long term, um, as opposed to really mental health providers that are here for a limited amount of time. So we talk about um, not parachuting in. These are things we tell our students, you know, make sure you work through an organized effort um, and so on and so forth. But over and over again, no matter where I've been um, asked to serve, um, I hear the same narratives that it is the churches, it is the faith-based mm -hmm. communities that are helping rebuild. And so while psychologists and counselors can do really meaningful work in the short term, um, where my research um, really feels aligned with Jamie's and the teams is that in equipping um, people to be who they need to be for others, that feels more responsive, more culturally sensitive, um, more um, helpful in the long term. Um, so the, the other thing about um, the other thing about the psychology of religion and spirituality is that disasters seem to be a really uh, unusual form of crisis. So I study lots of different crises um, and they feel unusual because they're heavily laden with this kind of existential content. So folks often ask themselves, um, uh, or they ask God, you know, how, how did you let this happen, or am I being punished? So they have these mm -hmm. kind of um, faith-based questions, and they often turn to their faith to make sense of suffering. Um, and so uh, it feels like this area is just critical for, you know, um, ecumenical or non-faith-based <laughs> helpers to know in addition to, um, you know, faith-based communities as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. So would you say that uh, disaster response organizations uh, in, you know, Christ-centered disaster response organizations would benefit from having training on the skill set to be able to offer that to the communities that they're serving in disaster response? Absolutely. 
Um, there's, um, you know, there are these opportunities. Uh, and so when I've been deployed, whether it be like um, Baton Rouge or Katrina or, you know, internationally, there are these moments where you might be rebuilding um, or helping, you know, by giving food or water or however your uh, ministry works where there's these windows where people have this questioning of their faith or these windows or opportunities to be able to engage in a really meaningful way. And, um, and so I think it would be tremendously beneficial for um, faith-based organizations to have this kind of training, to be able to um, even more uh, be who they need to be for others, kind of from a psychological and emotional and spiritual lens as well as from like getting the services there that are needed mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the opportunity to be there feels like it's even more so with um when efforts are already underway mm-hmm. uh, am i making sense yeah absolutely because i was thinking about it in the context of you know any kind of organization like you mentioned whether it's your um, giving emergency food or water or whatever kind of assistance it is for, for Christ-centered organizations, you know, like Water Mission, we are um, giving the living water. We're, we're giving the living water message, what we're doing, um, providing, you know, life-saving, um, a life-saving need to people, safe water in these situations. It's also through, you know, through the conduit and the message of, of Jesus Christ. And so um, adding in that component of, I guess, maybe more intentional or meaningful spirituality, like you said, from a psychological standpoint, I think would probably not only be beneficial to staff from these organizations, but like you mentioned, also um, the people that we're serving, because really, we might be serving a material need first and foremost, but there's a deep, deep spiritual need um, for people who are in these, in these situations. Oh, you couldn't, you just said it beautifully. Um, it reminds me of, um, I think one of my first uh, deployments was to post-Katrina New Orleans. And, you know, this was part of the heart of what we were trying to do was rebuild classrooms for a charter school, which is where we were asked to kind of serve. And in kind of rebuilding the classrooms, like mucking out the school, um, you know, these stories would start to come out. So from a psychology or a counseling perspective, it kind of flipped it flipped it around for me where I really just kind of started to see counseling and psychology totally differently. You know, we weren't sitting face to face, um, uh, you know, in two chairs in a room and for a 50 minute session to try and help somebody who's been impacted by disaster. We're mucking out the school and the stories would start to come out and there are these opportunities and I was just so grateful for my training. I was so grateful to have resources in my kind of go pack. So if somebody asked me, what trauma might look like in their second grade student, I was able to kind of lean on my resources and be able to answer a question if it was asked, as mm-hmm. opposed to um, presupposed about what I think this community might need. So it kind of makes you more mobile and flexible and responsive. So this kind of early, um, yeah, early kind of work really feels like, so as you're kind of talking, it reminds me of my early work and that um, those opportunities that are created when you're providing the material needs. There are these moments or windows or opportunities when folks have a deep spiritual need, as you said. And so for us to be able to be who we need to be for that person, also I think is healing and meaningful for us um, too. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting. I could talk about this all day, but we did have some other things we wanted to get to in this podcast too. So I, w- I wanted to bring up um, first and foremost, this concept of spiritual first aid um, and spiritual metrics more generally. So to be honest, when you and I were at the um, research intensive last month, uh, with one accord. It was the first time I had actually heard the term spiritual first aid. So for those of uh, those of us in the audience who they might be in the same boat as me, can you explain what that term refers to? Sure. Um, basically, out of um, the work um, of the team at HCI, um, we have developed a new <clears throat> kind of intervention, a new disaster response uh, way of working with people. So it's an evidence-informed disaster response intervention. We have a manual that we've created um, to, and it specifically is to equip faith-based communities to be who they need to be for disaster survivors. It's grounded in 40 years of research on the psych of religion and spirituality. It's intended to reduce distress, increase stabilization, foster positive religion, religious coping, and so the process is pretty simple. <clears throat> kind of connect with humility um, first, um, you know, provide practical presence, and then we really assess needs and then respond, and that's pretty simple, a simple process. So we lean on uh, kind of the works of Josh Hook and Donnie Davis in approaching helping with others from humility, so being sensitive to the worldview and faith tradition of the survivor. Um, so we kind of... Um, you know, and this is, this is hard to even say because I know we do, um, you know, God's work. So we ask people to kind of guard against proselytizing at times in which people are really vulnerable, potentially. So when survivors are in a vulnerable place, um, we don't want to take advantage of that. But when we are who we need to be for them, that is, like you said, with Water Mission, that is, you know, a way of, you know, doing ministry and being mm-hmm. who we need to be for others. So... Like we, this is kind of a, it's just a very simple intervention and manual um, that helps us focus on the actual needs and the specific needs of each survivor. So we kind of identify these needs and then we respond uh, accordingly. And so the domains, the needs are kind of in these five domains and we have an acronym called SOULS to kind of help us remember what the domains are. So uh, SOUL stands for stress, others, ultimate loss, and suicidality. So we have stress reactions. Um, We need to be connected to others. Uh, So we need to be assessing how connected or disconnected we are with others. What our our relationship is with the ultimate um, in terms of, and that's our ecumenical way of saying, yeah, how are we doing with God? Like, are we questioning God? Are we um, feeling supported by God? Loss is a common term um, in the disaster research literature. Um, It's kind of helpful conservation of resource loss theory. So uh, we get into resource loss with the L and then suicidality because folks can kind of think about ending their life when they've had so many stressors um, pile up. So those are needs that disaster survivors have and then spiritual first aid just teaches us to kind of listen for those uh, needs and then we have like we call it a soul chat. We just have a soul chat. Uh, anybody can do spiritual first aid um, after getting the training and looking through the manual. Um, and then by doing this, we believe that we're fostering positive religious and spiritual coping. Okay, yeah, that's really great. Um, so when would you say that spiritual first aid could be used, or how might it be used in disaster response? 
Sure. At the initial stage of disaster, so it's intended kind of for the short term, um, the immediate, like right now, as soon as, you know, right away. Okay. Okay. That, that's great. And I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, we have so many colleagues um, within the Accord Network who work in uh, trauma services or, or trauma healing, and a resource like this I think would be really valuable to them. Is this available uh, publicly? Sure. It's, um, it's going to be. So it, the manual's um, getting, it's, it's, we, it, the manual went through um, revisions after Baton Rouge and Houston because we continue to revise based on what we learned from disaster impacted communities. Mm -hmm. So it's, I believe, to um, be in the process of being just copy edited and then it will go to publication. So it's, you know, finished and um, it's in the process of, of getting uh, and being made accessible. Okay. And why do you think, this is probably similar to what we were talking about earlier with the psychology of religion and spirituality, but why do you think that spiritual first aid is something that disaster response faith-based organizations should consider in their programming? Yeah. Um, so why they should consider it in their programming. Yeah, as um, an aspect of their programming, if, if they should at all. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it also, we want to make sure people are comfortable in, in doing it. But oftentimes people tell us, you know, this survivor had this go on and I just didn't know what to do. Or this survivor told me this story and I didn't know how to help. And, um, you know, there are extremely well-intending people that operate through, you know, these, these organizations that are part of a court and they're huge groups of faith-based communities that are mobilized at times of disaster and they're very well-intending, but there can actually be unintended harm that comes from efforts to try and help. So, so uh, for instance, um, when somebody is a deep questioning um, of their faith, um, you know, basically telling them that, that that's wrong or bad or that they shouldn't question God can, can actually cause harm. So, I, and it's not, in, it's not intended to cause harm, uh, but the person can feel further isolated. They can, uh, even when they're struggling and suffering, they can actually feel even worse about themselves if they're having these kind of questions. So being able to kind of just be with that person in that place and be able to kind of acknowledge how hard it is and then um, be able to kind of join them in that and not judge um, and uh, not uh, criticize and not like anybody doing that intentionally, um, but through actually being with somebody in that, you can actually help them kind of come out of that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of a, a complicated answer, I guess, but I would say, um, you know, to do the most good um, and, and to do the most good you can for, for as many people that you can and mm -hmm. to be more helpful and optimize the services that are being delivered, whether it be material services or other kinds of services. There are these opportunities, so to capitalize on the opportunities that are there to respond to spiritual needs because it because you already are. So it's kind of hopefully mm -hmm. intended to enhance um, the efforts underway. And and folks have a sense of this. They can kind of feel in their in their intuition, their gut, um, I didn't know what to say, I didn't know how to respond. I feel like I might have hurt somebody's feelings. And I 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure what to do in this moment. And so we're hoping that spiritual first aid just gives a really concrete intervention through our acronym of having a soul's chat with people that kind of just equips people with just really good skills to be able to address those spiritual questions. Yeah, that that's a great answer. I think it seems to me like for our folks who do disaster response, um, you know, that maybe doesn't have a very overt, let's say, sort of ministry or ministering component to that work. I think equipping them with this toolkit of um, spiritual first aid probably would go a long way into enabling them, enabling them to really address the issues that are going to come up in a disaster right. response situation. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. As always, thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already and email us at ARA at AccordNetwork.org to send ideas about who we should talk to next or any other suggestions you might have on what you would like us to unpack on this podcast. Until next time.